Hello and welcome back to the Cover Drive podcast. Uh, today we are joined by a very special guest, one of the finest analysts we have in the game today. He really does not need much of an introduction, but took a clear cap. He's written and analyzed on cricket for more than a decade now, has worked with a couple of teams in franchise and international cricket as well. He's also the host of the Red Inker podcast, Jared Kimber. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. It's a great honor to have you on. Thank you for your time. Uh, well, Jared, um, when talking about white ball cricket, there are a few better than you. Uh, were you able to catch the Pakistan-Australia white ball leg at all? Yeah, so m- most of the one day is and missed the T20. Fair enough. Um, I mean, that T20 wasn't much to <laughs> write home about, so you didn't miss, miss, miss much there. But uh, there was quite the meltdown on Pakistan cricket Twitter. Uh, we will get into that uh, in a bit. There's a um, meltdown on Pakistan cricket Twitter every day, no matter what happens. Oh, 100%. I, just before I hopped on, I, was, uh, I got a message from one of my friends. Apparently, uh, the new PM has decided to get rid of Ramiz Raja. So <laughs> okay. another, well, there's, another there's, there's, fantastic story <laughs> from Pakistan. Uh, if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, you heard my live reaction to that news because I hadn't seen that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all knew that was coming. I mean, I think Ramiz Raja knew that was coming, to be fair. That's why he was... It was why in the job he was sort of operating a bit like his ass was on fire, if that makes sense. Like he was yeah. he was running around trying to get everything done straight away um, and a lot of bad ideas as well, but just trying to get something happening. And I think uh, he knew that uh, where the political um, system was going, he wasn't going to be in that job any longer. It's also, it's ridiculous to think that it's kind of ridiculous to get rid of the chairman based on the political alliance either. He's mm-hmm. either a good chairman or not. And uh, and you can argue certainly in both directions there. But uh, realistically, <laughs> he is um, uh, he wasn't fired for whether he was a good chairman or not. He was fired because of who he was aligned with politically. And that's nonsense. That's just and I think that's that's been an issue for so long. And a lot of us were hopeful with Imran Khan coming in because he had been a long proponent of the fact that the PM should not be the patron in chief. But uh, when the time came for him to change that, it didn't really happen. So yeah, we're in the I mean, mess like, we find ourselves today. You know, he, you know, Imran Khan's ideas are well-meaning, mm-hmm. and I understand why he has them. And he, you know, he was in Australia when the Sheffield Shield was probably almost at the peak of its powers. Mm-hmm. But Australia is not Pakistan. Yeah, and development does not work that way, and the Sheffield Shield does not work the same way that it used to when Imran Khan came through. So yeah. to think that it was going to be the best system for Pakistan was terrible. Um, uh, obviously, Wasim Khan's talked about that conversation quite a few times, um, but it, you know, from Wasim Khan's side anyway, who's who's obviously got his own skin in the game, mm-hmm. he thought he put in a very balanced reason why Imran Khan's ideas were wrong, and Imran Khan went, "Yeah, but I'm going to do them anyway." Um, yeah. So that that to me is a pro- problematic thing. And look, it's uh, Pakistan cricket, unfortunately, is caught in this sort of cycle. And you see similar things with English cricket. It's just not as dramatic. You know, uh, Rob, K- you know, th- they've got rid of their coach, their general manager or director of cricket, their captain, essentially, by pushing him out all at the same time, based on the fact that they don't have any batters. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what all those other people are supposed to do about the lack of batters um, in, in the county game and below that level. And so people overreact and they look for magic magic men to come in and fix everything. And that's certainly what Imran Khan tried to do with Ramiz Raja. And that's probably what the next person will do with their um, appointment. And it's usually, it, it's very rarely the person who is to blame 
although that can they they sometimes can obviously hurt the situation it's almost always systemic 100% and you know what they say the more things change the more they stay the same and uh you wouldn't know this but it's kind of a trademark of my podcast to be dragging ramiz raja at least for 5 minutes per episode so glad that we got that out of the way early <laughs> well yeah, this uh, is the last one you have a chance of oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna miss those rants cuz uh as much as he does annoy me in the way he makes some decisions uh it's uh, it's been it's been eventful to say the least his chairmanship he's good content 100% um coming on to the white ball leg uh this i'm going to start off with a very generic question i got this from a lot of people um on my twitter followers and i don't believe you've actually addressed this much before who's your who's your favorite player in the pakistan white ball set up at the moment there's a couple of couple to Ooh. choose from so i'd be i'd be interested to know who's uh, really caught your eye it's it's probably a controversial one it's probably um well i suppose shane freedy is maybe the obvious one but i'll keep him to the side but mm-hmm. um i think for me personally shadab khan is one of the most interesting players around and i don't understand pakistan twitter's hatred uh of shadab khan he's a fantastic cricketer um what he gives you is a three tool player to begin with he gives you flexibility uh with your lineups um he can probably bat as high as 6 in emergency situations he can strengthen the tail in other situations uh, I, i mean i haven't looked at his recent uh, uh bowling numbers but for years he had fantastic bowling numbers in especially in t20 cricket where is obviously where i spent probably more of my time having a look um and i don't get it uh we've seen this before uh, pakistan cricket you know sort of i suppose as ali was the last one um where they it doesn't matter what the person seems to do they find a way to suggest that they're not very good um and uh, i think shadab khan's uh been away from that i think if you were i think if if australia had shadab khan uh they would the levels of which they could reach as a team is astronomical with a player like shadab khan and Pakistani fans seem to complain about his existence uh, more often than not. So, he's probably he's probably the one for me just because we know we know that the top order is quite strong, a little bit wide one dimensional at times, but quite strong. We know that the fast bowling is not a problem. Spinners, you know, obviously we can get onto that later maybe in the podcast, but uh you know, we shout up Khan, you you have what teams want, which is a genuine all-round talent uh of a player. Now, like most all-rounders I've talked about this a lot you you what you end up having is a situation where all-rounders get judged very harsh at the start of their careers because quite often they're not good enough as batters and bowlers when they first start or or they struggle in one or the other and um you know outside of Ian Botham that's kind of been the history of kind of all all-rounders in in the history of the game um I think I think Sobers went I'm trying to remember now I've got a feeling Sobers went a while without making 100 in test cricket for instance. Um so and and even Callis Callis had a shocking start to his test career. Callis's career if you look at his test career he had a worse start to his career than Bavuma. Um and people have been going on and on about how Bavuma was a uh, was was a quota player and it's like well if you look at the two of them uh, one was doing quite well and one wasn't. So All-rounders quite often have those sorts of starts. Mitchell Marsh is a very good example. I wrote a piece in God, it must be 2015 about Mitchell Marsh and Ben Stokes. I think that's right. God, if it is that long ago, it, it might well have been that long ago or it might have been just after that. Um 
no, I think it was 2015, um, about how one of them has been seen as a god and the other one's been seen as a failure. But realistically, there probably isn't as much difference between them on talent level. Um, but those little things that Stokes does means that everyone goes, oh, what a legend, look what he does. But when you look at his overall record, you sort of go, what? what's his specialty skill? He can't average over 40 with the bat, consistently anyway. Uh, and he's not a frontline top four bowler consistently. Uh, Mitch Marsh is, you know, perhaps, uh, of a, uh, you know, a batted worse at the start of his career. But I'm not sure he will eventually end up with that much worse of a record than Ben Stokes. But there is a difference in talent between the two, and there's certainly a difference in performance. But what happens is, it, I, I call it the Ian, Ian Botham, uh, Derek Pringle continuum for all-rounders, where you basically, they're either legends or they're either failures. And for some reason, uh, the way that we've looked at Shut Up is as a failure, whereas, yeah, I mean, if you guys don't want him, uh, I'll happily pick him up. I mean, I tried to sign him when I was um, when I was a general manager at St. Lucia. Um, I'm just oh. a huge fan of what what he can do and what he brings to any cricket team. And I honestly, I, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, that response probably won over 80% of the people who follow my podcast because <laughs> there's there there is a huge Shadab FC following there. And I do agree, he does get a lot of hate on Twitter. And myself, I'm a huge Shadab Khan fan, so I, I've had to bear the brunt of that a lot on, on the timeline at times. But uh, I mean, he's, I think- he's 23. He came into the team too early. His batting hadn't developed yet. So his batting numbers are probably deflated by the fact that when he came into the society, he wasn't ready. You have to factor all those things in. Sometimes you have to look at the upside of a player, right? So Iftikhar, right? Like I'm a big fan of Iftikhar, right? But what's his upside? His upside is probably being the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th best player um, on a World Cup winning side. Right. That's his absolute upside. Uh, if you're lucky, you might get, you know, four years of sort of top if the car performance. What's Shadab Khan's upside? Well, his upside is Ravage Deja. Right. <laughs> like that's his upside. There's no reason why he can't develop in that sort of way. I'd say, actually, I was going to say, I was, I was going to say he's a better batter than Jadeja was at a similar age. He's probably not a better batter than Jadeja was at a similar age. Um, but I think he's probably worked out international batting at a level that Jadeja had not worked out. It, it took Jadeja a long time to work that out, you know, and remember Jadeja was a running joke with Indian fans, right? Sir Ravi Jadeja was his nickname, right? They don't say it ironically anymore. <laughs> and Mitchell Marsh was a running joke with Australian fans. Again, they don't say it ironically anymore because he just won them a world cup. Um, and, and, and you, with all rounders, you have to understand that they should develop at a different pace to other players because Shadab Khan has not spent as much time in the nets as Mohammad Rizwan or Baba Azam have because that's their job. He's got a whole other job that he's had to work on. And he came into the team as a, as a bowler. And you see with Ravi Shastri, um, <clears throat> Dan Vittori, um, those sorts of, uh, well, Jadeja, who we just mentioned, quite often their batting develops a lot later just because they don't get time to, to work on their batting. Uh, Mitchell Stark's another perfect example. Mitchell Stark has always had bowling all around a skill, right? But what he hasn't really had the opportunity to do is, is really work on his, uh, on his batting enough. Last couple of years, have a look at his record. It's gone through the roof, right? Like, it takes time. 100%. And if we look at Shadab, he's also gone through that typical Pakistani cricketer 
arc, right? He between 2019 and 20, he was nursing a groin problem pretty much throughout, and they kept playing him, and it had a terrible effect on his bowling form. And I think that's where a lot of the fan base turned on him, not looking at the fact that you're playing a leg spinner who's half fit. You're playing him every look, single game. You're right. He's, he he was injured at times. I would even take it a step further. I'd say he was picked when he was too young. He was picked mm-hmm. largely because Yassir Shah was starting to fade and they wanted another leg spinner. There was probably too much pressure on put on his batting early on when he wasn't developed enough uh, with his batting. He's probably still not developed enough with his batting, if we're being completely honest. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, as I said, that when the numbers didn't come back instantly, there was a turning on him, right? But if you look at his, if you look at his T20 record, he averages 20 with the bat with a strike rate of 137. You probably want that to be 25 with the bat or a strike rate of 145, but he's kind of there and thereabouts as a T20 batter, right? And then if you look at his bowling, he averages 22 with a bowling with an economy of seven. If you just had his bowling figures, he'd be great. And his batting figures allow you, he's like a very good version. Of, he's like Ashwin Plus as a T20 player, if that makes sense. So he can take more wickets than Ashwin probably will consistently because he's a wrist spinner. Uh, he's got a really good economy, so he's not going for any runs there. And he can hit the ball. Right. He's not a lag with the, the strike rate where you bat him is a bit more. I mean, I almost think he needs to bat four or five um, to be in his best position for him. And they might be like, well, we can find better numbers, four and five, which is where that's the whole Shakib Hassan, you know, uh, conundrum with those sorts of all rounders often comes in. You have to understand where these players fit in and what their upside is and what their downside is. Right. Now, he's played a lot of cricket for Pakistan. One of the reasons he's played a lot of cricket for Pakistan is they see him as a 10 year player. There's a different, when you look at a player who's a 10 year player, that's a lot different than looking at a player and going, do you know what? Over the next couple of years, he'll be really handy for us. But eventually, probably teams will work him out and then we'll have to move on. You're talking about a potential captain. You're talking about a potential leader. You're talking about a, a, a player who could be playing for another 12 years if, if it, you know, he can work out his game. Um, those players don't come along very often. 100%. And- Unpopular opinion here, and I, I will get dragged for this, but I believe in the current Pakistan white ball setup, he is the best captain material as far as I'm concerned when I look at him, the way he conducts himself in the field, on the field, especially with Islamabad United. And this is where I'm going to bring up his stats uh, for the PSL this year. And this is where I'll transition on to my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we look at his PSL, he, he, he grabbed 19 wickets. Right. He was amongst the top wicket takers of the tournament. Scored 268 in nine games at a strike rate of 162, average of 33 and a half. Sandy. Now, these these are fantastic numbers. Um, and a lot of people were surprised he didn't uh, end up getting the player of the tournament. Uh, it pretty much came down to the fact that Islamabad didn't make it to the final, even though I don't think that should have been the metric when you're deciding these awards. Um, they ended up giving it to Mohamed Rizwan, who had a good PSL, but I would say, arguably, Shadab, the way he did with the bat and the ball, was just it was unreal what, like i, I haven't seen Muhammad anyone what are mohammed rizwan's stats do you know uh mohammed rizwan's i don't have them up ready right now but um if i look yeah. at them really really quick over here um i mean he'd have to be extraordinary to be better than that <laughs> because what you've just talked about is an all-time season Yep, he was actually the second highest run scorer in the tournament out of 546. I think the captaincy tax came in pretty strong there because he, he basically captained Multan to the finals. 546 at what strike rate? Strike rate was uh, somewhere mid-120s. He didn't have a great tournament strike rate wise. So... I mean, there's no... If you look at IPL players now, right? So yeah. it's hard with Pakistan because 
you don't get to see what these skills are worth on, on the biggest market, right? Shaheen Afridi, Asif Ali, um, uh, Baba Azam, they're all IPL level players, right? Mm-hmm. Mohamed Rizwan probably, I think he probably is because Matthew Wade's in the IPL. Shadab Khan, you look at just his league spinning numbers, but when you factor in the batting and the fielding, I can't, I can't, he's obviously not as dynamic as Hasaranga, right? But how many leg spinners in the world can score over 200 runs in a tournament with a strike rate of 160, right? He's an obvious IPL talent. And, and that's the hardest competition in the world. Uh, you know, he certainly, I think he's a better bowl than someone like Adam Zampa and Adam Zampa can't bat and Adam Zampa's not a good athlete in the field. You know, he's a decent fielder, but he's certainly not on Shadab Khan's level. Um, you have to be realistic of, of the talent level of these players. And, um, I, you know, I just think he's a great prospect. Plus, he's a leg spinner. And, like, automatically that makes him better than everyone else. Leggies who can whack it, as they say. Uh, nothing more valuable in the, in the white ball game, in my opinion. Um, now, when I look at uh, the, the, the previous series, uh, this has sort of become a Shadab Khan uh, fanboying uh, podcast at this point, but uh, I think that that perfectly transitions onto the next question. When we look at Pakistan's white ball combination in the middle order during the ODI series, one while I know Imam Al Haq and Babar Azam was everyone was what everything was everyone was talking about in the batting order. One very glaring gap over there was at number four. Uh, we were playing Saud Shakil, and he strikes at about mid eighties. So when you look at that top four in ODIs, it's I I think it's a top five actually including Rizwan, I think it becomes pretty one-dimensional in the fact that you don't have anyone who can be your middle-order enforcer. Like, okay, they, they believe that Rizwan can play that role. But at four, one of the biggest concerns a lot of people have had is that you don't have someone who can take on the spinners in a very efficient way. Um, this is where my question to you is, what do you think Pakistan's long-term solution is at number four, not only in ODIs, but we're seeing a similar issue in T20s. They played Iftikhar Ahmed at number four in the one-off one T20. And Iftikhar, I think, is the probably the weakest against spin in this entire lineup. So playing him at four was beyond me why what they were thinking at that point. So, so, so when what's you're your take on middle, Yeah, when you're talking about middle overs enforcers, you don't really want a middle overs enforcer, right, in a one-day game. What you want is someone who can score at a runnable and with, at a decent average. Mm-hmm. that's how England basically set up their campaign. We, we talk about how they whack it at the top and how they whack it at death. We talk about the wicket-taking ability of some of their bowlers. But they, 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 the core of that team was that they knew that they had Owen Morgan and Joe Root, who could both average over 40 in the middle overs, uh, even more, probably way more than 40 in those middle overs while scoring at a runner ball, right? Now, England then, that allowed England two things. It allowed them to attack at the top um with with real hitters right and then it allowed their uh their long batting or lineup to come in and whack it later on so butler comes in you know moen comes in chris wokes comes in uh, plunkett you know all the way down to adol rashid so what you're really looking at is what is the game plan for pakistan to win the next one day world cup or the next t20 world cup if you want to and what they're trying to do at the moment is they're trying to, they're trying to, they're almost robbing themselves twice. So they're picking, I'm trying, Iftikhar, who's the other part-time spinner who can hit the ball a bit? It was in the one day is. Um, Kushdil Shah? Yeah. 
Uh, is he a spinner? Yeah. Am I getting my? Yeah. Yep. He's, yep. The, he's the left armor. Left armor. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're doing is those two batted six and seven in the one day side, right? You actually want them to be batting seven and eight if, if you want, right? And you want a really strong number six and a really strong number seven. Uh, sorry, a really strong number six in there. Um, uh, I don't know who that number six is. Uh, looking, I'd have to go back through all, all, the, all the things. But if, if that's what you want, what you do, you're doing there is you're saying, okay, we're going to make sure that until number eight, we can hit sixes. All right. Mm -hmm. That allows for you to go a little bit harder at the top. Then you have the moat, the motor of this should be really probably Baba batting at three. Um, Rizban batting at four. Right. And you say to them, can you guys score as close to a runnable as possible without losing any wickets, which mm -hmm. obviously sounds horrendous, but that's what you want. Right. And then, then you want the ability. So that allows Fakazaman and, and, and well, it's probably not going to be Imam Al-Haq, but whoever that uh, other person is to go very hard at the top, knowing that there's two guys who should be able to average high runs betting at three and four behind them that can get you through to that 35 over mark. And then from that 35 over mark, you just start throwing in Shadab Khan, Asif Ali, um, Iftikhar, um, uh, I've got the guys. Kushko, Kushko. Yeah, Kushtor, yeah. You start throwing those guys in at that point, um, but you're doing it from a position of being two or three for 200, mm -hmm. right? That's one way of doing this. Yeah. What Pakistan are doing is uh, they're trying to move it up the other way, right? And they're trying to say that Iftikhar is the number six and that we're going to have a bunch of anchors beforehand. But that means that if the, realistically, if the car averages about 20 or 20, uh, you know, it might even be less than that. But he's not a number six, right? He's a hit, a really good number seven or a number eight. Um, and what you really want uh, then is what they're setting up then is that those top Imam, Baba Azam, uh, uh, Rizwan, so we'll take the, the sort of the three stalwarts, right? They're going to bat really, really, really long and make a very good score. But you're now assuming that they're going to be able to kick on. So you're asking them to do two roles within the team. You're asking them to score as much as possible at a, as decent a rate as possible and knock it out very often. <laughs> and then also kick into that next level, right? Because And if they don't, you've now got a guy who averages mid-20s coming in at number six. So the best way of doing this is Pakistan have to go one of two directions for me. If they believe that these all round, uh, so we, if you throw Shadab in there, you've got a third all round spinner, right? So you bat him at six, you have Iftikhar at seven and you have Kushtal at eight, right? And then you pick maybe another, one other bowler who can hit after that just for fun. And you three, you know, and then your three, Wait, I'm trying to run out of my numbers there. Whatever have I got? Six, seven, eight. Yeah, one batter at nine who can hit. And then Harris Ralph and Shaheen Afridi or Nasir Shah, whichever your, whatever your combination ends up being, right? That allows you at that point to know that you're going into every game with six bowlers. You know that probably one of the three spinners is going to get whacked and maybe the, sec and maybe the second seamer sorry, the third seamer gets whacked a little bit, but you now have this incredible core of six bowlers 
And you're also batting to potentially number nine. Mm -hmm. The other way of doing it is the more traditional Pakistan way of doing it, which I think is probably underdone, but it's certainly something that Pakistan could do. And we've seen it. We've seen some T20 teams have success with this before as well, which is we probably have five absolute gun bowlers. Right? They could pick what, four out and out star seam bowlers, probably for the World Cup in Australia for the T20, for instance. Throw Shadab in at number seven um, and then say to the top order, um, we expect you to make all the runs. <laughs> all right? Yep. We don't care if you don't make over par every game because we're backing the fact that our bowlers can do that. But what we are expecting you to make is around par every game. And we believe our bowlers will not allow other teams to make par every game. Those are the, that's the better way of using the talent that I have. Is that way or the way I just said? At the moment, they're stuck in this middle ground where they've got a bunch of guys batting out of place who aren't good mm-hmm. enough to bat in those positions. The problem with that, with that traditional Pakistan method is you need Imam, Baba, and Rizwan to be absolutely flying. You need to know almost going into the tournament, they're all going to average over 40 in a, in a well, in a one-day tournament, probably over 35 maybe in a T20 tournament, right? Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that you're going to get a huge chunk of runs out of those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but that it, we've seen Pakistan have success with those, those sorts of things. And I think, look at this, and, and you know, I did some videos with Misbah, and I think me, me and him sort of disagree on the, it's the best way of putting it, on the, on the, I think he thinks Iftikhar maybe can bat at six. And, 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 but, I, but I just see it as a, there's a better system that they can have. They can almost, they, you can almost build the English model of going, okay, we're going to have a couple of gun bowlers who will take wickets. And we're going to have a couple of guys there who are there because they can bat, right? But that's going to give us at least one extra, well, you know, six, six bowling spots, right? And then the other way of doing it is to go, we actually have probably three frontline seam bowling um, strike bowlers. We can probably find one other guy who's good enough um, maybe who could bat at number eight and, and whack a few occasionally. And then we've got Shadab at number seven, which means we do not have a single weak bowler in our lineup. So good luck scoring above par consistently against us. That's the, basically the way you want to put that. That's the way I would look at that. Now, I don't know all the players. I, unfortunately, every year someone says, oh, we're going to hire you to come work in the, in the PSL. And no one ever does. So I don't look at it day in, day out. I can't tell you about the, the numbers, but but... But looking at the players and, and the way that teams are successful, that if I was working with Pakistan cricket, that's the two directions I'd be looking at. Can we bat to number nine or can we have five gun bowlers and still be a pretty good batting lineup? 100%. And if anyone from a PSL franchise is listening, you're definitely missing the trick here, not having Jared on there. Um, I know we're coming up for time. So just a few more questions here. Where So you, I found it interesting with those two different approaches you, you put forward. Um, in terms of number four, obviously, I think I think even you would agree that South Shaquille is a mit- is a misfit when we look at that number at the moment. I probably uh, wouldn't be in my side um, unless he can unless he can get that strike rate up. He, he, you know, run a ball is where you. That's how England won a World Cup. 
mm-hmm. controlling that runner ball um, area. And the only other way that you do it is you do it the New Zealand way, which is you have Ross Taylor and Ken Williamson in the middle. And you basically say, well, we're going to guarantee 260 runs every game, but we're going to bowl you out, which is what, how news, you know, that's how those two teams, the, the two methods I just talked about, weirdly, now I think about it, is how the last two teams made the World Cup. Yeah. Right? So that you really need to think about uh, that going in. And if you look at the best two teams in the, in the World T20, it was Pakistan and England, despite the fact that, you know, Australia and New Zealand made the finals. Um, I think Pakistan and England were the two best teams in that World Cup. And again, I think they both sort of followed a similar sort of pattern again. Okay. So when we look at number four, what 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 is your view on Heather Ali? Um, I'm someone who personally rates him a lot, but there's been a lot of, again, discourse on Pakistan Twitter in terms of his inconsistency because we expect every 21-year-old coming off coming out of the under-19 system to be as good as Virat Kohli. Um, so what's your take on him as a number four? Do you think maybe they could explore pushing Shadab further up the order like he does in the PSL, or do you think it's a bit a jump too big for him at the moment? Oh, I expect, if you're talking T20 cricket, I don't see any reason why Shadab can't bat four or five. I think I said that before. I think that's probably his best role because mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure he's quite a power hitter um, mm-hmm. at the death in the same way. Um, I think he's probably... I, I haven't looked at his numbers, but my, my gut feel would be he'd be better off against um, the spinners in the middle than he would be, you know, the, the death bowlers at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Hader Ali, I think, again, you're looking at a player who um, so far is probably learning his game. I think he's played, I'm trying to remember this, is it, it's something like less than 15 first-class games? Um, yeah, very, and, and very I, less first-class yeah, and I think he's made a lot of runs in, in those first-class games. I, I, I had to look him up for, for a piece I was doing not that long ago. We know he's talented. Um, now, if you're talking about one-day cricket, he probably fits the kind of team I'm talking about better, mm-hmm. right? So the kind of team I'm looking for is probably, you know, Fakir Zaman, another attacking opener that goes with him. And then, then you've probably got your three. Uh, then you've got, you know, uh, Baba. Um, uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, whether it be Imam or Haider Ali, and then Rizwan in that sort of in that sort of middle, and I'd probably bat Rizwan at four and Haider Ali at five in the one day team. In the T Twenty team, just uh, I I don't know. I'd have to go back and really have a look at it. But look, he's a talented player. He's young. He hasn't played a lot of cricket yet. We I always look at the Ishant. Sharma. Ishan Sharma is the best example of how stupid we are when it comes to cricket. You had a guy who realistically just needed some coaching and some slight tweaks. And he went from one of the worst bowlers in the world to one of the best bowlers in the world. You don't find many people who are six foot five, who bowl at around 90 miles an hour, who could swing it. Right. It never made sense that Ishan Sharma was so bad. And you look at someone like Haider Ali and you look at the, the timing he has, the eye he has. It's so silly to judge him on the... I mean, I don't even think he's played much. Has he played a one-day? He's played like two, maybe? He's played two. He's played two. That's it. <laughs> right? We don't even know what he is as a one-day player yet. And as a T20 player, um, he's also still developing. We probably don't know what his best role is as a T20 player yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's played a lot of domestic T20. And so we should be able to uh, work that out. But certainly from a Pakistan point of view, you may not know. I Again, I just I don't think he needs to be thrown in. Um, if you want to go the all in attack mode, 
that we were talking about before. Uh, oh, actually, I mean, you know, maybe a perfect setup is you have Rizwan at five um, and then you have um, Hader Ali at six and Shadab Khan uh, at seven with that other hitter at eight. Um, and you just say to him, we want you to play a butler like role, right? We want you to come in at the 35th over and try and enforce a little bit. Have some freedom with it, right? There's, there's no pressure here um, because we've got Shadab Khan behind you and we've got one other batter behind you. And also he should be coming in quite regularly when the score's over 200. That's when Butler's at his best. Butler's no good when the ball's zipping around everywhere early on. So maybe moving him back to, you know, number six or uh, number five. Uh, uh, I, I certainly think number six is, is, a good, is a good thing. And then you work out where he's best suited. Does he play the spinners better? Does he play the quick balls better? Is he a power play batter, right? Is he a hitter at the end? So uh, I think he's quite clearly a very talented player. I don't think I have strong opinions on where he needs to go into the team at the moment. But he should be in every squad. And if it was me, I would be sending him to play every single first-class game um, that, that he can. I'd be offering him up to every franchise league around the world so he gets more and more experience on the road. Um, and that's the systemic things that we're talking about here. Shut up, Khan, and Hayner Ali. The systemic problem is that these guys need to play as much cricket as they can so you can learn more about them. If you look at Australia, Australia won that World Cup. I don't think they're a better team than, than, than Pakistan or England, but they won that World Cup. Marcus Stoinis learned to play uh, franchise cricket, in, um, sorry, T20 cricket, basically by playing for, in franchises, right? Australia didn't develop him. He was an opening batter, really, and, and he went off into a bunch of franchises and they had to use him in the middle. Um, Josh Hazelwood is another player who went off and did a similar thing, right? And that's not Australian cricket developing these guys. That's these guys developing themselves. So if you're running Pakistan cricket, you have to put these guys in those sorts of... What, what, you know, you can make these calls. I know this for a fact. I've heard it recently, like, uh, you know, with, with a particular county team that I was talking to, they, they get calls from Cricket Australia going, we want you to take our guy and this is the role we want you to give them. But you're not going to have to pay them that much because we're cover, we'll, we'll cover their, their pay. But we need them to bat in this position because we need to develop them this way. Um, so for someone like Haider Ali, I think that's a perfect example of what you would be doing, you know, maybe sending him around the world to a couple of tournaments um, and, and, and uh, you know, having conversations with coaches, with general managers, with captains about, can you do this? And it doesn't always work that way. But even when he's out there, he's going to have to solve a lot of problems. Yeah, definitely. And I was really surprised with the number of Pakistani players going in, going to play county this year that Heather Ali wasn't one of them. I'm like, that's someone you who can benefit from it so much. And you really set up my last question perfectly here. I'm sorry, we're running a few minutes over, but just one final question where you you mentioned with number six, how there's no pressure attached. And this is this brings me to Asif Ali in Pakistan's T20 team. And when you look at Pakistan's T20 team, he's the only guy I see as you know, he's the all-in-all all number six, but there's such a discourse on social media in Pakistan that, oh, he's not consistent enough. So what? how could you put into words the importance of inconsistency of a number six in T20s, wherein you're just coming in to basically put on as many runs as you can in, in a three to four over period. So what's your take on Asif Ali and what's your take on that number six role in T20s? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I can't imagine. So, so my from my memory in in T Twenty cricket, uh, 
he, I think he has a higher average in T20 cricket than he does in for Pakistan, right? I think he averages 22, 23, 24, maybe. Batting at number six. That's great, (laughs) right? Now, I don't think he does that for Pakistan. I think for Pakistan, uh, my guess is it's sub-20. And uh, I I mean, sub-20... I suppose if it's closer to 15, that's horrendous. If it's closer to 20, that's probably less of an issue. Again, it comes down to what kind of team you're trying to put together. If Asa Ali, it, it, let's say, let's say he averages 15 for Pakistan, but we know he can do it at a strike rate of 160, right? If he averages 15 at a strike rate of 160, and you have three blokes who can hit or, or can bat behind him, it doesn't matter at all. Because then you're using him exactly when he's needed to be used. If you're talk- if we're talking about those shorter batting lineups that we talked about before, where you only really have seven guys who can bat and five specialist bowlers, Asif Ali probably is a huge problem in that team. So he is very dependent on how the team is set up. Most guys who hit like Asif Ali can bowl. All right. So Darren Sam is probably the last guy left um, uh, who was a similar kind of hitter to Asif Ali who couldn't bowl at least by the end of his career, right? Once his knees went, um, he was always quite slow, but a very skillful bowler, but, you know, a very slow bowler. Once his knees went, it was like, he's basically batting at number six or number seven. If I know that, I can load the team around that, right? That's fine. I'm not expecting Asif Ali. I don't even want Asif Ali to average 25 because I want him to strike the ball He's in the side because he could score at two runs a ball. No one else can. <laughs> There's a reason why he's got one of the highest strike rates um, going around, right? Um, so I know why he's in the side. So I thought when Pakistan had that sort of show of Malik, Muhammad Afiz, I'm trying to think was who else was in the side at that point. Um, was there any other all-rounders in the side? At that? Um, so are you talking about the last World Cup? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Hafiz, Malik, and uh, Imad Wasim. Imad Wazim. Okay. You look at that and you're like, great. Now we have guys who can bat at five, six, seven, right? And um, Asif Ali. And Shadab was there as well. Yeah, well, exactly. Now, Asif Ali doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all if, he, if he's inconsistent in that thing because we know that when he scores... It's a potential game-changing score. You are not supposed to, you're not supposed to average 30 if you bat at number six, right? You, if you can average 20 at a strike rate of 160, that's a phenomenal, uh, you know, record for, for, for that kind of player. Also, there is no other player like Asif Ali, right? Pakistan don't have three, other on, three others on the bench. If they want a player, you know, and I've, I've called him for years the Walmart Andre Russell, right? He's not quite as good as Andre Russell. He's not quite as flexible as Andre Russell, and he doesn't bowl. But on a very basic level, he has the ability to go out and score 10 runs from three balls consistently. Right? That doesn't exist. Where are all the other guys who could do that in the world? Right? That is not a thing that you can find out there. And so what you really want in that situation is you want to put him in lineups where there are... 
where, where literally sometimes he's only going to bat in the last two overs and that's all you need. He might bat at number nine sometimes, right? But he might bat at number four and other times. What you don't want is to, to, to be in a situation where you will need consistent runs off him because he's never going to be like that. But if you do have all those different all-round options, why would you not... Why would you not want a player like that in there because of the ability they had? And I think we saw in that World Cup, when he does come off, it completely changes complexions again. Was it the Afghanistan game where he went ballistic? Afghanistan and New Zealand. I can't remember. Was the the sec- Afghanistan nope. game, I felt that Afghanistan were a real chance of winning before he went yeah, off. Yeah, he, he scored. He hit those four sixes in the last door. Yeah, and that, that completely won that game. What, was it, what happened in the New Zealand game? Uh, New Zealand game, it was more so they were behind the scoring rate. Uh, Malik was holding the fourth at one end and he was taking on Saudi and Bolt at the other. Again, that that allows that kind of dynamic, right? And most players, players just don't hit like him. And so the ability to change two games in a, what, six-game um, period for a number six who doesn't bowl is... <laughs> You know, that's good numbers. Now, I know he hasn't. Done, I know he hasn't been as good for Pakistan um, as he has been for um, in, in T Twenty cricket at whole. One thing I would say is, I don't think he's played more than fifty games for Pakistan. Right. In fact, let me look this up. I can probably find him here. There he is. He's played thirty nine games and he's batted thirty five times. Right. If that if he was a baseballer, that's about one fifth of a season. <laughs> Right. If you look at him for T20, he's played 230 games. The num- his, his domestic numbers are much more representative of where he is. Now, the other thing, if you want the negative side, it's like, well, okay, well, he's played 35 games now. Um, and he is, um, his strike rate is 133. That is a bit low. That's, I'm not worried about the average. The average is 17.4. I wasn't far off. The average is, uh, the, the strike rate's a bit low. Is it possible that he can't consistently hit and score as quickly off the very, very top level of bowlers? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure you're going to find that out over 35 T20 games, though, sadly. He's going to have to play a lot more. The other thing is, if you look at his one-day numbers, which has now come up in front of me, he averages 25 with a strike rate of 121. That does actually suggest to me that he probably his T20 numbers are slightly deflated um, for Pakistan and that it doesn't quite match up if that makes sense overall. Anyone who can score at a strike rate of 120 in one-day internationals is not a normal human being, right? I always think you need to go with that, but it's all about the pieces and how you fit all these players together. There's no single player. So all the players that people moan about on, on social media, all of them in their best case scenario would be very good players. There are very few players who play for major cricket teams, national teams, who aren't very good. What tends to happen is you have to play them out of position. They don't get to play the position that they're absolutely best at. Or because that nation doesn't have, you know, three or four other very good players to put around them, they have to then change their role. And that's not their speciality, right? That's when when people start, oh, look, look, he, he can't do it. And it's like, Asif Ali has proved himself to be one of the best hitters of a cricket ball in T20 cricket history. We know that. That's in the bank. How Pakistan get the most out of him 
probably it might not be playing him every game. It might not be playing him in every single lineup. You certainly wouldn't want him in those sort of teams I was talking about before where Shadab is batting at number six and there isn't a bunch of all-rounders around him. But in the teams where there are all-rounders around him, he's absolutely the ideal player to drop in the middle of all of them and just go, we're going to press the button. Occasionally it's going to implode and occasionally it's going to blow up the opposition. If it's one and three and number six, we'll take that. Wonderful. Jared Kimber, thank you so much for coming on. It's been wonderful talking to you about this whole white ball situation with Pakistan. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot over the course of this. Um, please do subscribe to the channel. Uh, you can find the podca- podcast on Spotify as well. It'll be linked down in the bio. I'll be linking Jared's podcast, The Red Inker. It is one of my favorite podcasts. Do go give it a, give it a listen. Uh, some of the best stuff in the business. Uh, Thank you for listening and I will catch you guys in the next episode.